Welcome to the Planning Parent Podcast, where we talk to real parents and professionals about solutions and strategies to minimize the hustle and bustle that we parents face daily. This is a place where you will come to listen, learn, and share about all things parenting. I am your host, Krista Hermance. I am a busy mom to two little girls, a wife and estate planning attorney with a focus on families with minor children, an entrepreneur, scuba diver, and golf hobbyist. My passion is helping families create simplicity and bliss in their everyday lives. Welcome to our show. Today, I am joined by Betty Alkazian. Betty is a licensed marriage and family therapist, parenting coach, and nationally recognized parenting expert who works with families to ease the challenges and increase the joys of raising children. Betty has worked for many years as a psychotherapist, parent educator, speaker, and writer. She is the author of Parenting Backwards and Potty Learning, The Do's and Don'ts, and The Oops of Poops. Betty has been married to her husband, Jeff, for 36 years, and they are the parents of three amazing daughters. Thank you so much for joining me, Betty, and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so what is the parenting tool belt? Well, it's just a metaphor that I use for parents to keep in mind that there's no one way to do something, right? If you imagine the handyman with the tool belt or a woman with the tool belt on, sometimes you need a hammer, sometimes you need a wrench, sometimes you need something teeny tiny gentle. And it's the kind of how I want parents to think that if one thing doesn't work, there's always going to be another tool in their belt to, to draw upon. Okay. Okay. So what are some examples of how we use this parenting tool belt? So in any given situation, I always think that when parents don't know how to handle something, let's say, because I think that that for me, that was a lot of the moments with my kids. It's kind of like, what do I do with this? My first tool that I tell parents should be their go-to is compassion, because compassion, it will never be wrong, number one, even if there are other tools that could work too. Um, Compassion will always be right, because we want kids to feel safe, seen, and soothed in order to feel secure. This is how we develop what we call a secure attachment, and when kids feel secure in their attachment with their parent or caregivers, they are better able later in life to develop healthy attachments in relationships. So we want to our kids to feel that we are listening to them, that we hear them, that we see their struggles, and that their struggle is safe with us. Instead of us saying, stop it, no, you shouldn't feel that way, or anything like that, we're saying, oh, wow, that really hurts. And just being present, we don't have to fix it. We just need to be present. Okay. So it's it's funny with compassion because so I do generally I try every night to write in like a, a um a gratitude journal, right? And then after I do my like five things, um, I have like these goals. And in my goals that I do, I write them every night, they're the same ones or whatever wherever I'm at in my life, that these are the things that I'm working towards. And my number two goal is to be a compassionate mother, right? That is beautiful. That is so 
Beautiful, because a lot of parents actually come to me and they have a lot of anxiety about, am I teaching my child right from wrong, right? If I have too much compassion, then I'm not telling them, no, stop, don't do that. And they're afraid down the road that their kid isn't going to end up being a good person. And I always say, you have said a thousand times what's right, what's wrong. Kids know inherently what's right, what's wrong, but they don't always know that their feelings are okay. And so that, to me, our biggest job really is to prepare our kids for the hard parts of life. And that means teaching them about their feelings and teaching them that they can get through hard things and how to do that. This this is called frustration. This is called anger. This is called disappointment, whatever it's called. And then here's what we do with those big feelings. And honestly, if parents only did that and nothing else, they would raise amazing adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we have compassion in the parenting tool belt. You know, and I, like I say this to my kids all the time is I say, be kind, right? And it's just sharing that. I, I feel like if, if everyone had more kindness in the world, like our world would be so much better. I mean, I must say it to my kids probably like 10 times a day it's always choosing. It's like, do I choose to be mean or do I choose to be kind? Always choose kindness, right? You never know what somebody else is going through. And it's just, it's having that compassion and teaching them that. And I think that's, it's just, it's powerful in that aspect. Well, that's a tool that I call values-based parenting, right? So anytime you have a value that might be for you, that was kindness in that example, but you might also have the value of honesty, the value of responsibility, the value of independence, the value of uh, respect. There are so many different values. And I always challenge parents to uh, figure out what are your top 10 values? What's important to you? Post them in your kitchen where you're hanging out the most or in the cabinet that you open the most. In my house, that's the pantry. (laughs) So what are your top 10 values or even 12? Pick 12 of them and then focus on one every month. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. So I know in, in one of our other episodes that we did, it was kind of putting together this family plan. And one of them was creating this values. And that's a printable that we have. If you if you guys want to go download it, you can go back to that episode and I will link it in the show notes to make sure that you know where to go and listen to that episode and download it. But I think I need to create another printable. And this one is going to be the top 12 values, right? And so that you can put one for each month and then have it so that that is your focus for the month. I absolutely love that. And I am going to put that and we're doing that in my house. And you can make the holidays of those months relate to the value of the month, right? So November might be gratitude. February might be showing loving kindness because of Valentine's day, maybe in the summer, it might be independence, things like that because kids are home from school or maybe the holiday months, December might be uh, charity, however you want to do it that resonates for you. Yeah, whatever works for your family. But I think, because I feel like as a parent, I am just bombarded with all of the things, right? All of the things that we should be doing to raise good kids. And I see so many amazing people like on Instagram that I follow that just have like all of these really great ideas and they share all of this stuff on there. And it's just, it's so overwhelming. It's like, how do I pick? How do I implement it in my daily life? Because there is so much stuff. And so, you know, if this, if this is something that just helps, you know, just a little bit, it makes it a little easier, 
that it's, you know, it's something that people can do. So, okay, I'm writing it down. We're going to create it. It's going to be linked to the show and we're going to have it available for people to be able to download the, the top 12. So you can designate what months you want to create, what values for your family. Love it. Okay. Getting stuff done here. So what else do we have in our parenting tool belt? Oh my gosh. There's so many. So there are some tools that I suggest that people use more frequently, like compassion might work all day long. There are other tools like bribes, threats, yelling, even spanking, which is not my favorite tool that I often recommend to use much more sparingly, right? I always say I don't argue with any parents about a tool that works for them, but the tools that I just mentioned often backfire, right? If you say, if you just get your shoes on, you can have extra iPad time or something like that, right? And you bribe your child, then eventually they may be the child who says, uh, oh, well, what are you going to give me the next time you ask them to do something? Or if you threaten them and say, if you don't do this, then you can't have ice cream later. And all they have to do is say, I don't want ice cream. And boom, you've lost your authority. And so I don't like tools that aren't number one healthy. They don't maintain authority because kids need to understand the hierarchy of authority between parents and kids. Um I don't like spanking because here's why, and not that I judge because I think spanking has gone underground and people just don't talk about it anymore. Um, But I don't want us to be teaching our kids that when we're out of control or when we're angry that we hit another person because I can't think of any other time in life when hitting another person is going to be okay, right? So every tool that I teach parents is a tool that, they could teach their kids that will apply to their life, whether it's next month, next year, or 40 years from now. And hitting, I can't apply hitting anywhere. So it's not a tool that I recommend, but it is what I call a tool of desperation, right? And so we don't want to engage in tools of desperation as much as possible because, again, we lose our authority and it makes our kids opportunistic (laughs) and they're like oh mom or dad is is uh pretty desperate right now i'm gonna zero in and i'm gonna get him and i'm gonna test even harder and we don't want that we want kids to feel safe and secure that we are in control in order to stay in control we have to take good care of us and that is one of the tools in our tool belt and that is self-care in order to have the bandwidth to say, how do I want to handle this? Or what's the best thing for me to do? Or is this a tool that's going to be helpful to my kid down the road? We have to have the bandwidth and a moment to pause. And we can't do that when we are completely depleted ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think the, the saying is you can't fill anybody else's bucket if your bucket is empty. And I think like, I see that all the time with friends that I have that, you know, if I can tell that they're stressed out and it's, you know, just the way that they're acting. And I, you know, I've seen them in different aspects and it's like, okay, they need, they need to take some time for themselves. And I'm the same way. Right. And self-care is a huge thing for me is making sure, you know, is we're busy. Right. And if we're always doing stuff for other people and never taking time for ourselves, 
it can be so draining for us. And then are we really acting at the capacity that we want to with our kids if we aren't taking care of for ourselves? Because then we're probably more anxious, more stressful, um, and just don't really have a good outlook. Yes. And you, you mentioned another tool that's really important, and that is friendship, right? We can't do this alone. We have to be able to tap into our tribe, into our village, whether it's family, whether it's friends, neighbors. Uh, I was so blessed to have a neighbor across the street who was raising three daughters at the time I was raising my three daughters. And we always said, oh, we have six daughters. And so often, you know, if one of our husbands was gone for the evening or both, sometimes we would say, oh, do you want to order a pizza and we'll bathe the girls together and we'll just get them bathed and get them in pajamas. And then all we had to do was put them to bed. And then we had each other, you know, it was so I'm so grateful when I think back to those years, how hard it is. We can't do this alone. So we have to, you know, tap into our village. <laughs> yeah. I look for that in people all the time. I have, my girls are, seven and almost five now. And so it's really just finding the people that, you know, maybe I need to find somebody that I can talk something through with. Right. And so it's, it's having somebody is almost like, you know, just, just having this friendship that I can go to them with this problem. And, you know, maybe if they haven't seen it, they give me some ideas, but if anything, talking it out helps me when I say it out loud, I'm like, why didn't I think of that before? Right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. What else you got in your tool belt there, Betty? It's actually one of my favorite tools and that is humor. Sometimes we take this parenting gig so seriously and we all have a fear of failing as parents, right? That our kids won't turn out great. And there are no guarantees to be sure. And even great kids make mistakes and do bad things. But we have to remember that Sometimes we just have to lighten the load. <laughs> Sometimes we have to lighten the moment and just use humor and um, laugh with our kids. And sometimes it helps us to remember to enjoy the process because this is a hard people. This is really hard. And so sometimes to just use laughter and to get your kids to laugh with you sometimes just takes a load off. Mm -hmm. So I love seeing my kids laugh. Like it is the most amazing thing, like that deep belly, like they are just laughing in hysterics laugh. I find myself trying to figure out things that I can do to get them to those laughs. Right. And so that's, that's something that I've probably recognized more within the last year. And I think it's now that they're kind of getting older, they're kind of starting to develop into these little people, right. And these conversations and the things that I say, and they tell me things that are hilarious. Right. And I just, I can't help but laughing. And then they're laughing and now we're all laughing. I agree with that one. I think that is something, and we probably don't do it enough. Right. It's something that I think we're just busy and we don't think about it. We think about, you know, all of the activities that we have to get our kids to and, and the sports and the things that we're doing and dinner on the table, but it's taking that time to have that family time together to have the ability to laugh right? To, to, to be funny and silly with each other. I think for some people, it might not come as natural though. And so it might be hard to be in situations where they're doing that. So true. That is so true. And it's also a tool that shouldn't be overused, right? 
Because if we're always making light or laughing or using humor, uh, some then will our kids not take us seriously? And we do want them to respect that authority hierarchy I mentioned before. Yep. I like that one. It definitely there's humor and I don't think there's enough. And I definitely, I know it's not on the too much side, but it's just figuring out ways to add more of it in. I do know with my littlest, she's kind of at this point now where everything upsets her, right? So her sister accidentally walks into her and then, you know, it's a meltdown. Um, she did it on purpose and now she's upset. And I, like, I know she's not hurt, but she's, she's just doing it because she's going to be five. And so I will try try to find some way to make her laugh and it takes her mind off of it. And then, you know, her mood is lightened and she's, she's fine. And so I, I find that that helps the humor side with her when she kind of gets in these little, these little moods. I don't know what's going through her little head, but something triggers her. And, but if, she, if I make her laugh, she's, she's fine. She forgets right. and she starts playing. And I think that there's a beautiful combination of using humor and laughter, but also acknowledging Oh, you didn't like that your sister hit you, you know, or bumped into you. That that hurt your feelings, even if not your body, right? And to just that little bit of acknowledgement and um, validation, like you're not crazy. Nobody wants to be bumped into, and um, and then to use humor, like okay, I acknowledge your experience, and on the universal pain scale, it's a two. So let's laugh it off and, you know, walk it off. <laughs> kind yeah. of I think it's also just, it's, it's so different for parents now with having their own kids and like how we were raised and like, not necessarily my family. I can't remember any, but I remember just seeing other families where I would see like, they don't have that acknowledgement side, right? It's like, oh, that didn't hurt you. Walk it off. Like, you know, you're tough. Whatever. Like, so there's no acknowledgement. There's no compassion. And I think us as parents, like if that's how we were raised, it's very hard to not react that way to things. Right. And so I find myself all the time, just knowing, like, like I look, like I look at the situation, I see what happened. And I was like, like in my head, I'm thinking, oh, you know, I know that didn't hurt you. You're just kind of reacting in this way but I understand that I do need to acknowledge, right? Because I don't want them to think that I'm being cold and that I, because I don't want to push that onto them, right? That they're then going to take that with people in the future. So. Right. And we don't want to communicate to them that your feelings aren't okay or that I'm dismissing your feelings. I like, we, we want to, again, they want, we want them to feel safe, seen and soothed. So if, we see them and we say, I, I get it. I see what you're going through and I don't blame you. You're not crazy for that. And sometimes we need to be a duck and just let things roll off our back. <laughs> not take them in and be take it so personally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I like the duck analogy. I'm going to definitely use that one because we, I use animal analogies all the time and it makes my kids laugh and it, but it gets the idea of what I'm trying to get across. I'm like, let's be quick like a cheetah and not slow like a turtle. And they usually laugh and then they'll run, right? Whatever we're doing. Any other tools in this tool belt that you have to share with us? Oh my gosh. I have thousands <laughs> of tools. We talked for years. 
let's pick a couple and um, just of what you think is is really just something that if you know if somebody was listening to this, you know, just a few kind of things that it's just starting to kind of put this in their daily life, right? Like how can they implement these kind of these tools and just have them available? Uh, one thing that I think is really important is consistency, right? You've heard this probably forever that parents need to be consistent. And it doesn't mean that we aren't flexible, but it does mean that kids need to know where the limits are. And those limits need to be pretty much the same every day, right? If you don't want them jumping on the bed, then today jumping on the bed isn't okay. Just like yesterday, jumping on the bed isn't, wasn't okay. And it, and kind of to add on to consistency, I like to include rituals because I think kids feel incredibly safe and secure when life is predictable, right? That predictability that if I jump on the bed and you're going to lose your temper with me or you're going to be mad because I, or just say no, then okay, at least I can predict your behavior. And that's why kids test. They test the limits over and over and over because they want to know that where those limits are and they want to trust that you are being consistent. So if we have a bedtime ritual that includes dinner, bath, books, song, kiss, sleep, right? Like that is a predictable cycle that they know their bodies begin to, you know, ease into nighttime as they go through the ritual, right? Again, it's predictable. It teaches that habit that, um, and that predictability helps kids feel safe and secure. They know what's coming next. They know they can predict your behavior. They know they can predict their environment. And I really think that that gives them a solid foundation. So I don't, I think it's so important for kids, but also for us right? And I, like, I am a, like a ritual person, right? And so I, I'm, I'm lost of words of what I call it. Um, but it's, it's that habit. That's what it is. Uh, because then we have control and there's so many things that happen every day in our life. And I think of it the same with kids is that like you're saying that consistency is we know what's going to happen, right? We know what to expect because this is our ritual of what we do. And so I feel like it almost is just this, it kind of gives your brain a break to be able to say, well, I already know what this part's going to be in this bedtime ritual. And so, you know, I, I don't, I don't have to get stressed out. I can just, I kind of can relax with this. And I, you know, I, I'm assuming it's going to be the same way with kids in that aspect too. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Agreed. Any other ones you want to share with us before we rack up? How about one more that is actually one of my very favorites, and it's what I call the love tank. I believe we all have a love tank, and when we're not filling ourselves up like we were talking about before, it gets drained, it gets empty. Well, our kids also have a love tank, and when they wake up in the morning, it might be empty. When they get home from school, it might be empty, and so when they start like melting down easily or they have no capacity to handle hard things, I always say, uh-oh, sounds to me like your love tank is low. And then I might use my finger like a gas nozzle, psh, psh, kind of like, I always think of like the, the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz using the oil can. 
So you can use, you know, on their joints and their nose and their belly button, you know, their hips, their knees, all the different places and say, is your love tank full yet? And give them that one-on-one yummy loving time. And if I could just share a quick story, I used to do this with my kids and my kids are grown. They're 30, 26, and 21. And just a couple of years ago, my 26-year-old said to me, mom, I miss you filling my love tank. And I was taken aback. I couldn't believe she even remembered. Like, when was the last time I did it? It wasn't like when she was 20. Maybe she was eight or 10 at the oldest. And I just was like, I can't believe you remember that. She said, that used to make all the difference for me. And so I just think kids sometimes just need your undivided attention, even if it's for two minutes, to just say, Let's fill your love tank. And it's going to fill yours too at the same time. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) It's a cure-all, that one. Yeah. Well, I, so with my, my littlest, um, again, because she's this very kind of emotional state with, with, you know, these big feelings. um, But I, in just kind of parenting over the years, I, you know, I've kind of come across is that you just have to take a moment. And so I'll ask her if I see that she's upset, I'll be like, do you need a hug? And I don't know that she's ever said no, right? She wants that hug. And it's just an opportunity for me to give her a really long hug where she gets that, that time and attention from me. And it just, you know, it's making her feel safe and secure. Right. And then after that, she's good. Right. And so I, I like the love tank thing. And I think that kind of actually brings a little bit of humor into it too. Right. With the kids side. So I will, I will report back how my use of love tank goes. And if anybody's listening and you start using the love tank method, um, then, you know, please share, share how it goes with your family. Cause I think we'd all be interested to see, you know, if your kids are enjoying it or, you know, are you using it in some other aspect? So, okay, Betty. You have shared so much wonderful knowledge with us. I I hope everybody listening is able to take some piece of this and just, you know, help them, right? And I mean, I think if, if anything, we're all just, we're always trying to do better and be the best parents we can for our kids. And I, I, I love these tools. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay. So if you want to find Betty, um, I'm going to link in the show notes where you can find her. She's balancedparenting.com. Are you on Instagram? I am betty.parenting.guru. Okay. I I thought so. I just wanted to make sure. So, okay. We will link all those in there though. And then make sure to download the printable that we will have for you for the top 12 values so that you can write down those values, have them somewhere that you can share with your family. And then every month, you know, focus on something different. Cause I think that's really how you keep things going is kind of keep that momentum of, of being able to, to have that in there. So thank you again, Betty. Thank you, Krista. Thank you for joining us for the Planning Parent Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, write a review, and share our podcast. Please check the show notes for resources and all the ways to connect with us, including joining our community on Facebook at The Planning Parent, and follow us on Instagram at The Planning Parent. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and got some great solutions and strategies to help you achieve the simplicity and bliss you deserve. And remember, take a deep breath. You do matter. You're doing a great job.